everybody. Welcome to episode 32 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina, with a special focus on the SCG Tour. We are your hosts. I'm Chris Castor-Rappel, and with me, as always, is Collins Mullen. Hey, Collins. Hey, what's up, Chris? Not much. How are you, man? You were at uh, Memphis this past weekend, right? I did. I went to Memphis. It was fun. I ended up playing green-white tokens, the the kind of like appeal to authority, go wide strategy. Yeah, yeah. And I was pretty happy with the deck. It does have a little bit of a fail rate, but I think in general, as long as you're drawing decently, then you your your matchups uh, kind of across the board of what I expected to see a lot of were pretty good. I anticipated seeing both a lot of blue-black control which is a, a control deck that is all about just kind of like one-for-one removal into like gear hulks and glimmers and stuff. Right. And I figured that the tokens approach would be really good against that, where if I'm casting SRAM's expertise, then it's going to be difficult for them to answer everything for like some sort of one-for-one basis. And then also Mono Red, I expected to be kind of the other big dog at GP Memphis. And uh, I really liked the Mono Red matchup. Just because you kind of have the ability to like kill them out of nowhere with appeal to authority and to clog up the ground really well. Yeah, yeah. Saram's expertise is uh, pretty decent against Hazaret. Yes, for sure. Just chumps for days, and you know, eventually being able to kind of crack back and, and kill them with some sort of appeal to authority shenanigans. Right. I mean, that's that's absolutely the key for beating mono red is not just having a way to lock it up, but having a way to like turn it around as quickly as possible. So, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And my tournament went took kind of an unexpected turn where our testing, we were kind of surprised at the fact that Grixis midrange had a really good performance at the Grand Prix, yeah. which was not something that any of me or my team expected. Um, we kind of brushed that deck off as just not as good as Control or Mono Red or anything else like that. We... Um, we had done a lot of testing with Grixis midrange and just like not had a lot of success with it, and just kind of like assumed that everybody else would be kind of under the same belt. But I ended up losing twice to Grixis midrange on day one, uh, which is a matchup that I thought was going to be pretty good for me, just because you know they're also just kind of like a, a clunkier one for one kind of deck. And I don't know if it, like my draws just like you know were a little too anemic, and he was able to take the game over with like the really really powerful cards that they have access to like phoenix and glory bringer and stuff like that mm-hmm. but, but yeah we were we were kind of surprised at the su- success that the grixis midrange decks ended up having they put what three copies in the top eight of memphis yeah yeah it did really well and there were a couple of different builds that we saw on the day you know there are some that are kind mm-hmm. of leaning towards red like those sort of you know hearkening back to teamer energy almost and playing Lots of glory bringers and phoenixes, um, but then some of the other mid rangey ones are much more blue black. Like like they have a lot more in common with the blue black control decks and run like sometimes multiple torrential gear hulks and stuff like that. So there's there's a whole range of very different decks that uh, yeah, you yeah. can you can play against in those colors. Yeah, and actually like the the morning of day one of the Grand Prix, I was. Uh, just kind of jamming games with Hunter Cochran, who ended up top eighting the tournament, or top fouring the tournament even. And he was on Grixis midrange, and we were just kind of battling, and I was beating up on him real good. <laughs> and he goes on to top eight the tournament, and I go on to lose to his deck a couple of times. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess that was kind of like the biggest surprise that came out of the weekend with the uh, in terms of like archetypes, because I, I generally think that I have a pretty good read on what I'm gonna see at a standard Grand Prix. You know, it's just like through testing on Magic Online, you just get a really, really good feel for how things are going to go. But man, I guess we just missed it this time. Yeah, I this one was definitely a little bit of a weird one because I definitely thought that a token strategy like that would probably be what you wanted going into the weekend. But the results didn't really bear that out uh, as much as I thought. And and a lot of you know very good players were were playing token heavy strategies or at least go wide aggressive decks. You know, we saw. Uh, Sam Black playing that really sweet like city's blessing based aggressive deck with uh, the the one white mana O three that becomes a three three when you have the city's blessing. So oh yeah, I think that deck was really sweet, and I'm actually planning on testing a little bit with that exact deck this week <laughs> <laughs> because I think that 
So I, I, I had a funny experience where I'm playing this Appeal to Authority deck, right? And, you know, pretty happy with the 75 going into the weekend. I actually played against another guy who was on pretty much the same mono white what's this what's the instant speed plus two plus two my team trick it's like pride of conquerors or yeah something. yeah pride of conquerors yeah so i played against a guy who was running snubhorn sentries and pride of conquerors and i was like wow i really wish that i had thought about pride of conquerors going into this weekend because i feel like that card is really really good in a token strategy and something that you can like potentially maybe even like build a green white deck to be able to like play both pride and Appeal to Authority, because uh, Appeal to Authority is just busted. Right, um, yeah, yeah, for sure. You, you're not cutting really those to card. run run Pride of Conquerors, but it might be like your right. fifth or maybe sixth one if, if that's what you need. So yeah, definitely wish I had kind of known about that going into the weekend, but it definitely was not on my radar at all. Um, and then I played against a guy at the tournament who killed me one game with Pride of Conquerors, and I was like, oh, okay. Um, (laughs) definitely something that I, uh, I should probably, you know, have on my radar at least. So yeah, I think that the, right, this, this Pride of Conquerors deck is just kind of like slots into one of what I feel like are the three or four macro archetypes that exist in Standard. Like we've got a lot of different kind of like sub iterations of what's going on. Right. But I think that you can kind of break down everything that everybody's doing in Standard into one of i think four categories okay and those are token strategies and there's kind of like a lot of variety in all of these macro archetypes and there's definitely a lot of variety in the token archetype yeah because you can go as like low to the ground as this mono white pride of conquerors get them dead deck and then you can also go up to some sort of like you know trying to go over the top with hidden stockpiles and the the doubling tokens enchantment and stuff like that mm-hmm. but i think those all kind of still fall under the tokens strategy right you're, you're leaning on making your opponent's removal bad and and just kind of generally being good against like the mono red strategies right, right right yeah and it's it's kind of remarkable like the range of like they they all kind of are attacking the metagame from one single concept which is that going yeah. wide is very good against both hazaret and against point removal right right but Right, those those hidden stockpile decks are kind of the slowest decks in the format, and the green white right. decks are some of the fastest decks in the format. So yeah, so it's it, it, interestingly polarizing there for sure. Yeah. Um, the second big arch- archetype I think is like the the Scarab God decks, which is the you know we're playing Scarab God in either a like super controlly shell or just kind of like a bigger controlly mid range shell. Yeah. But I, I kind of want to con- like group these Grixis mid-range decks and the blue-black control decks and the blue-black mid-range decks all in like a similar kind of macro archetype where they're all just kind of, you know, taking their own approach on making the card Scare of God really good. Either by, you know, being like a super control shell and taking over with Scare of God that way or by just kind of like tr- playing a value mid-range game in order to, you know, kind of like be able to go over the top with Scarab God. Personally, I think that the control version of that is better just because you don't really, it doesn't really matter what else is going on in the game as long as you can stick a Scarab God and start taking it over with that. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't really, you know, as long as you're not just like dead in one swing, once you land your Scarab God and untap with it, then the game is likely going to end no matter how much like incremental value your opponent has stored up. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then there are the Hazaret decks, right? Where, you know, it's the mono-red of the format, you're you're beaten down, you're either pure mono-red or you're Mardu vehicles kind of deal. Right, they're, they're all doing the same thing, really. Yeah, but yeah, those are all just kind of like the, the beat-down decks of the format. Yep. Um, just playing super efficient, beat-down creatures. And again, there's a lot of variety in that as well, because we've, we see some mono-red decks that are super low to the ground, playing four Hazarets, really just kind of leaning on, on Hazaret getting there. But we, we've also lately been seeing some, like, big red strategies. My friend Christopher McCord ended up taking down the PTQ on Sunday at Memphis with essentially, like, old-school treasure red that's playing, uh, like, Wily Goblins and Glorybringers wow. and stuff. Wow, cool. I, um, yeah, good for him. That seems... To, to me, that seems a little tough right now when all of those Scarab God decks are running for Vraska's Contempt's main deck. 
Um, yeah. Especially because the control ones are not only running four Vraska's Contempts, but they're running four Torrential Gear Hulks, and that is a lot of Vraska's Contempts to try to break through, if that's your plan. But you, you kind of get to attack them on a, a different axis there, post-board, bringing in a bunch of treasure maps and stuff like that. True, true. Which can be pretty difficult for the control deck to deal with. Um, and also just like a turn three Chandra or a turn three Phoenix can be pretty backbreaking for a lot of strategies. Mm-hmm. Just being able to like turn three your Chandra and then from that point on like have a bunch of extra mana to utilize like all the spells in your hand or whatever. Like on the play, even against a Rastus Contempt, that's like, you know, two solid act turns of having a Planeswalker in play. It's true. Um, yeah. So the Wily Goblin seems to break that open a little bit yeah that makes sense and it's not vulnerable to their fatal push the way that a servant of the conduit is um i've been pretty unimpressed with uh a lot of the the last category of decks which is sort of the the mid-range green creature decks um yeah right the uh yeah the the deck that ended up taking down the grand prix but uh my my whole team was kind of blown away that 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 was able to happen because we (laughs) thought that any sort of monster strategy is just really bad right now. Yeah. It's good, I think, against the token strategies, but it's just terrible to control, and I can see it having a hard time against Mono Red. I don't, I don't actually know exactly what the Monsters versus Mono Red matchup looks like. Maybe that's just, like, good for Monsters, and that's where they're getting their edge. So my, you know, my understanding from playing a little bit of Monsters, I played... So I've got a story about playing Naya Monsters, <laughs> our Arielax's deck. But like my understanding is that the white is in the Naya Monsters deck because you just can't beat Mono Red without it. Um, okay. You just die to Hazaret and, and you can't really... Like you just throw up your hands and, and you say, all right, you got me if you got the, the turn five Hazaret. Well, geez. So so that's that's why you got to splash for a cast out and, and all that stuff. So yeah, I, I'm not really sure about... So I, I actually am kind of up on the straight red-green monsters deck right now. Because in the leagues that I've been playing lately, I've been playing against so little mono-red. The the monsters deck actually is pretty decent against a, a fair amount of stuff. So I've been running that, that area lax deck, the Naya monsters that... Yeah. Kind of gets rid of the Kenras in favor of some more removal. And it's kind of the worst deck I've ever played, I think. <laughs> oh, no. Um, yeah. Just, like, playing against the the blue-black decks, blue-black control is so miserable because of that Vraska's Contempt problem. And even, like, after board, you have a couple of Carnage Tyrants, but you just weren't doing anything that they cared about. So they just end up with a commit to memory in their hand, and you play Carnage Tyrant and they commit it and then you draw it, and then they play Torrential Gear Hulk and commit it again, and then they <laughs> oh, no. shuffle it away with Field of Ruin. Um, right. Just, like, because you're not being aggressive at all with your two drops, like, Merfolk Branchwalker is not going to get there. Right. Unless you have, like, a really great Chandra start with that deck, it's just so bad against the control decks. And then the mana just makes you lose sometimes in your good matchups. Like, I've lost to, like, Constrictor, and you have four Glorybringers and three Chandras and a bunch of Abrades and stuff, but sometimes your, like, fourth land just comes into play tapped and you lose. Not good. Not good. So if you're going to play a Monsters deck right now, because there is there is so little Mono Red, because it did get shut down pretty hard at the GP, so there, there's so little Mono Red right now. So if you want to play a Monsters deck, I would definitely go with straight Red-Green and have two drops that can actually beat down a little bit to give you a chance against the, the very removal-heavy control decks. Yeah, um, I I can definitely see that as like the best option for the Monster strategies, but for, for whatever reason, I think that there's yeah you're right there's so many brass contempts running around there's yeah. so many gear hulks running around that it's just not a spot that i think that i want to be right now I'm just kind of you know assessing the metagame from that perspective but right um, yeah what what i have found is nice is you know if you want to be playing green creatures um i've actually been surprisingly happy with the that sultai constrictor deck that got second place snakes and ladders snakes and ladders the jadine special um, right, right. This is a JD Clumperin's deck. Yeah. Mostly on the back of uh, Bristling Hydra being really, really excellent right now. Uh, uh-huh. 
and and that's that's why I'm a fan of this deck. I, I slid a couple of Carnage Tyrants in the sideboard as well that I've been very happy with. Seems good. The Constrictor does a better job than the Monsters deck of presenting relevant threats very early on and forcing responses out of your opponent, which which means that the Carnage Tyrant can come down and really, really, you know, wreck the place. So been happy with this deck so far, and right now it's like my my favorite standard deck at the moment. Um, okay. The Hadana's Climb oh, gives you so much game against token strategies and stuff. Yeah, being able to just like you know jump something and double strike it seems very very strong. It's it's very very goofy. It's it's ridiculous. And combo with uh, with uh, the Hydra, right? Yeah, you can you know you can have this hexproof threat essentially to be able to you know jump that and kill people with it. Yeah. You are pretty soft to fumigate strategies, and all really all of the the green decks are pretty soft to fumigate strategies. Yes, very true. But you know, th- this is just sort of a rock paper scissors format that we've found ourselves in. Like, yeah, I mean, you say rock paper scissors, and that's uh, that's just standard in my experience. You know, right. it's, it kind of feels like a it devolves down into that a lot of the time. And sometimes, you know, rock is too powerful, and then you get a format like you know, teamer energy is just what everybody's playing right but um but i feel like the the good healthy standard formats are generally going to devolve into some sort of rock paper scissors metagame so i'm kind of happy to see that coming out again as like what's going on because stand you know in standard you don't really want like a hundred decks in the format like modern right you you kind of would since it's not lasting forever it's kind of cool to have like a you know, like a four deck format where they kind of like have ups and downs against each other. At least that's kind of like what I enjoy out of standard. Yeah, yeah, and and I think that's that's where we really are right now. You know, the the blue, black, maybe red, but the very removal heavy decks have kind of reared their heads as the the most important deck in the format right now. Um, so where I think mono red was rock for a while now i think it's scarab god decks that are are rock like that's the level zero deck is some removal heavy scarab god deck yeah also i don't know why we're calling these scarab god decks i think the best card in the format is just torrential gear hulk right now (laughs) uh fair fair. i I don't i feel like i'm not losing these games to scarab god i'm losing these games because my opponent passes on turn six with all their mana (laughs) up and i think well they have a Vrassings Contempt in their graveyard because they're running four of that card, and I cannot win this game now. So, like, yeah. like in a format where you not only are able to run four of Vrassings Contempt, but you should run four of Vrassings Contempt, Torrential Gearhulk is so, so good. I, I, I Like, I, I really think that's the most important card in, in many of these decks, especially the more controllish versions. So that's that's my soapbox for, for today is... It's uh, I'm sold honestly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I I've always liked the control iterations better, and I've always liked the bigger mid range iterations. And the common, you know, the common theme there is that yeah, they're running a bunch of gear hold. Yep. Because it's just really strong right now in in combination with likely one of the other one of the most important cards that you you should be playing in this format, which is Rask's Contempt. Yep. Yeah. So I mean. You know, I think that those kinds of decks are kind of the starting place now, and you have to have a plan to beat them if you're going to show up at a tournament and, and planning on winning. And so I, I do think token strategies are pretty strong. Um, and then I also think that you can play green creatures as long as you have like a critical mass of blossoming defense and bristling hydras and stuff to to shut down. You know, there's nothing nothing more satisfying than Blossoming Defense in response to Vraska's Contempt. Yeah. No, yeah, I mean, I ran two Blossoming Defense in the green-white tokens list, and that card just seems very, very strong in a Vraska's Contempt format, because if you're trading one mana for four, Ugh. then that's a huge tempo swing. Yeah. It's it's good, man. It just it feels right. <laughs> it just feels right. Yeah, sometimes you, you play a deck or a card and it just feels right. And that's a good feeling. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I'm, I'm very happy with it against... Like, it, it seems like one of those cards that you would side out a lot. But, you know, the Monsters decks have a ton of abrades and stuff in them. The Blue-Black decks, obviously, are the decks that it's there for. Mono-Red, like, you obviously want Blossoming Defense against Mono-Red, and it's just some of the, like, very Fumigate-heavy decks, whether they're Tokens decks or weird Ramp decks with with Approach and stuff like that. Those are the only decks, really, 
where I'm like, nah, Blossoming Defense isn't good here. But it's just been a standout card. And everybody knows you have it, and it doesn't matter. Because their removal right. costs four mana, and they'll yeah. never be able Sometimes to cast it. Sometimes just holding up that green mana is just as good as having it, you know? Yep. There, during our testing process, we I was kind of tinkering around with the green-white tokens list. And one of the things I decided to do for a little bit was actually to cut the Blossoming Defenses. Because... You know, you're playing a token strategy, so you, you're generally making the removal bad anyways. Yeah. So, you know, the Blossoming Defenses aren't at their... It's not like you're saving, like, a big, important threat, right? Mm -hmm. So I cut them for a little bit, but I just kind of, like, found that, you know, having the threat of having it, and just because of the card Raskus Contempt, it's just so important. Like, even if they're just hitting, like, your Jade Light Ranger or whatever, you, you really want some sort of way to protect it. And we we actually had a few funny and like scenarios where we were we were we were playing a league. I I think I was with Zan, and we were playing a league, and we didn't have any blossoming defenses in our deck. And our opponent tapped out for the vampire. That's kind of like reverse Bob. Yeah, uh, you know Twilight Prophet. Yes, Twilight Prophet. He was playing in like the green black Hour of Promise ramp or whatever. Cool, cool. I'm a fan. So, so he, he like tapped out for Twilight Prophet and we had an Adanto Vanguard in play. And I was like, Xan, just attack. Zero <laughs> percent chance to block. Yeah, no, because blocking. we might have blossoming defense. <laughs> so so we tacked our Adanto Vanguard into his sky and he, he took three for sure. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of like a funny example of, you know, sometimes just like having the mana open is good enough or as good as like actually having it if you can get in your opponent's head well enough. Yeah, and that's nice. Like, having a playable pump spell in standard is really cool because it forces people to engage the limited halves of their brain a little bit. So that's nice. I'm a fan. Yeah, I mean, I I'm, I should, probably shouldn't say this to anybody, but I bluff attack a lot. <laughs> and you can only really do that in formats where it's reasonable where you would have some sort of trick. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, like, constructed is just not something that where tricks are often viable. So kind of being able to use utilize that limited skill of you know bluffing yeah seems seems pretty good yeah definitely i have not been i probably should be bluffing more in this standard format especially playing a, a blossoming defense deck but i also am just yeah. playing against blue back control like over 50 percent of my matches so there aren't as many opportunities yeah 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 you can't really you know it's you don't really have good opportunities to bluff there yeah i think that's honestly one of my favorite things in magic is is being able to get away with a bluff um, and it's only something I've started doing, like, semi-recently in, uh, like, competitive events. Mm -hmm. And, man, the first time where I just, like, really needed to sell a story and made a bluff attack and it worked, I just fell on top of the world. It was great. <laughs> yeah, it does. It definitely feels good when you get away with it. Because then, you know, once you put it in their head once, then you just have that card in your hand in their mind for the rest of the game. Yeah. <laughs> And then you immediately um, draw it because that's how magic works. And then you draw it, as, yeah, as soon right before your opponent's like, all right, well, I guess I can't beat it now. And then you have it. <laughs> it's just great. But yeah, sorry, that's my that's my tangent on bluffing. No, I I think that's great. I I'm totally into it. I am totally into like I'm probably going to be running blossoming defense decks as long as I can. Um, but I I think that the format. I mean, here's my prediction for format shifting for, for whatever it's worth for the, like, yeah. rock, paper, scissors cycle. Right. So, you know, blue-black decks are at an all-time high right now. And whatever it is, if it's Grixis energy, if it's blue-black control, if it's, you know, more Grixis control, like, whatever it is, they have this core of Fatal Push, Moment of Craving, Vraska's Contempt... I mean, maybe Harness Lightning in place of the, the Moment of Craving, but all of these targeted removal spells. And these were really important, and this is what kind of has pushed Mono Red down, you know, I'm, I'm it's not out of Tier 1, but it's certainly not the top deck in the format right now, because it yeah. just has been getting one-for-one one so hard, and then a lot of these decks turn the game around quickly enough. You know, like, Torrential Gear Hulk just kills you pretty fast when you're out of resources. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And and not to mention that, you know, Scarab God sometimes just comes down and, and ruins your day as well. So so we're at a place where like those blue black decks, whatever variety is, are definitely rock. And right now, paper, I think, is I, I think there's two directions you can go for your paper deck. And I think that's either, you know, some sort of token strategy. 
and I think that I would lean much more towards an aggressive strategy than a you know anointed procession hidden stockpile strategy because of the difficulty of beating the scarab god with those decks like your whole deck is set up to be good against their one for one removal plan but their other plan is just like they have three scarab gods and the re- if most of your deck is really bad against the scarab god then that's a tough place to be so if you're very aggressive and you're actually killing them with Saram's expertise and and blossoming defense and whatnot then i'm much more comfortable with that than just hoping they don't have scarab god or, or hoping that like i have a, a cast out and they don't have commit to memory so yeah aggressive token decks are one way or if you want to play a creature deck then i think that this hexproof plan with bristling hydras and blossoming defense um and, and those are cards that might even slot into the you know red green monsters deck if you want I'm, I'm pretty happy with them in a snake deck right now but just to beat that targeted one for one removal that's that's a powerful answer to it but both of these decks are very soft to fumigate plans so and there's there's a couple of directions you can go with that at this point you know once once these decks are like the ones you're trying to beat then maybe you want to be that slower tokened plan um, although that's not great against like constrictor decks. Um, but you know, the ramp decks, the approach of the second sun decks with lots of fumigates and stuff, like that can be a powerful way to exploit the metagame if it goes in this direction. Right. You know, these decks are really bad against disallow, but decent against the mid-range decks. So if that's what people are playing, then I, I am kind of interested in these uh I don't know. These ramp decks have a special place in my heart right now, dude. I mean, our promise is uh, is, yep. is Bay. Yeah, man. <laughs> Honestly, just get that, um, get that Arch of Araska. <laughs> have yourself a half hour long game one. Like, yeah, no problem, dude. Buckle in. I'm ready. <laughs> um, yeah, I I do like the our promise decks, and I think that there's actually a lot of unexplored territory. Yeah. That, you know, not everybody's looked too hard into some sort of like rampy our promise deck. Because I, I guess that strategy is just not like completely appealing to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But you know, like the week before last, um, Ali and Trazi did well with the the black green based five, five color controlly deck that mm-hmm. had some arrow promises in it. But I think that there might be some like other weird deck that utilizes a bunch of utility lands and plays hour of promise. To kind of like go over the top with maybe the what's the big dinosaur that untaps all your lands name oh zakama primal calamity zakama yeah dude something like that where i think that it's probably you know there might be some territory there where you know we're playing zakamas to be able to like take over the game and we're also playing something like the the hexproof seven six for the control decks and then we've got some like we, we can just like you know customize that into a bunch of different plans right that could be pretty strong so yeah and i think that's the challenge is that boy like 30 of the slots in your 75 are are up to you in this in this right. archetype um and yeah. and matching it up to the weekend is going to be very tough do you want to be do you want to lean towards white and have fumigates and settle the wreckage, or right, right. do you want to lean towards black and have access to duresses and doomfalls so you can actually beat the disallow decks? Like that's a yeah. big question. And masterminds acquisition is also you know an option, right? Or whatever that card is, right, right. And um, I actually, like I probably don't want to play a version of this without masterminds acquisition. Like that, that seems like such a missed opportunity. <laughs> yeah. Well, for yeah, I I actually don't know how much of that is like sweetness value and how much of that is like actually yeah you know how good that card is. I I think I need to test it out a little bit to see if that card is actually just the truth or what. I I haven't haven't gotten to play with these decks at all yet, but I've certainly you know like Brendan DeCandio was streaming uh, a build of it a day or two ago, and he just like in any of the slower matchups, every time. He drew Mastermind's acquisition. It was just like the best thing ever. So, <laughs> well, cool. So yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I definitely think there's a lot of areas to explore there. I the possibilities for this sort of deck open up as long as the numbers of mono red decks in the format are reasonably depressed. Uh, yeah, yeah, very true. You just you know we don't really have the answers to mono red to if you're going to be playing against that three or four times in a tournament, but. As, as long as people are keeping them down with moments of craving, then 
you can just go over the top of everything if you want to. Yeah. One one huge issue for the deck is, and this is one of the reasons that I still just like blue black control. Um, like that, it's it's the the one out of all of these Scarab God decks that I'm most in favor of because I, I like running the playset of Tarantula Gear Hulks, um, and I also like that it can run just straight up for Field of Ruin, uh, and that solves a lot of the problems that these slower decks have to deal with. Like if your opponent's an Arch of Araska deck, if you Field of Ruin their Arch of Araska, they have no way of getting that back. Right, it's just in their graveyard. Right, like the only way, the only thing they have is like trying to resolve a Wildest Dreams, but your job is to not allow them to resolve a spell like that in the game. So. <laughs> Right, yeah, of course. Yeah, definitely a fan of the blue-black control decks. Um, I don't think that I'm going to ever play one, mm -hmm. um, just because I, I'm biased against control, sure. personally. <laughs> but uh, I think that they are definitely an excellent choice for the weekend. And I, I think that at this moment in time, if you're going to run blue-black control, you need access to Golden Demise and or Bantu's Last Reckoning. Probably Golden Demise, because Bantu's is not a good card. But yeah, like you, you just don't want to be soft to them having two creatures in play at once. Yeah, I yeah I was going into Memphis. I was definitely preaching Golden Demise a lot for Zan, who ended up playing Blue Black Control, mm -hmm. and uh, Matt Wright, who ended up playing Grixis Control. Uh, just because I, I I knew that there were going to be a lot of token strategies, and figured that they they were going to need some sort of good answer to those. And it's just good against Mono Red. Did you hear from either of them how that played out at all? Not specifically, but just kind of through talking to them over the weekend okay. um, and leading up to the weekend, they really, really liked it. It was okay. really good for them. Good, good. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, but I, I, I never heard any like specific stories of, oh, dude, I totally goldenized my opponent's board away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had one of those stories uh, happen against me, though, where in Ooh. the last round of day one, I played against... What looked like just a mono-red player, but he had white in his mana base as well. Um, but he was, you know, Bomac Courier, Earthshaker Kenra, Kari Zev, killing me, right? Yep. And I amassed a the pretty huge board state, and I was going to kill him next turn with Appeal to Authority. And then he casts Path of Metal yep. <laughs> in game one, and deals one damage to all my creatures. And they all died, and his creatures all lived, because they had haste. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. Um, so that was pretty gross. Yeah, I mean, that's that's definitely sweet. a place. So, I mean, the like, that's super powerful. There, so one of the weird things that I've noticed about this standard format is that almost every single archetype, you have the option of trading off power and consistency in whatever, you know, direction you want to go with. Like, whether you're control, or you're very aggressive, or you're a mid-range deck, like, you can add a color, and it will make your deck better, but it's going to make it harder on you sometimes. You know, like, like yeah. that, that monster's deck, adding white to it, like, for me, just absolutely seemed to destroy my mana base. Like, it was just so inconvenient. Those lands came into play tapped at just the worst times possible. Um, or I just wasn't able to cast my spells. With red, like, you might want to play black, you might want to play white... But, like, your mana base really just becomes atrocious. And if you just run good all day, then you take advantage of having Scrap Heap Scrounger and Unlicensed Disintegration, or having Path of Metal, which is a really powerful card in some matchups. But, boy, your mana is just awful. Um, and even the same thing yeah. with the, the Constrictor deck that I've been playing. Like, I, don't, I wouldn't run it without blue because i do like having a couple of negates in the sideboard and i really do like hadana's climb but it definitely is costing me percentage points definitely costing me real percentage points against red but also just like sometimes my lands don't really work and that's just a, a staple of this standard format is do you want to add red to your your blue black deck do you want to add the extra color uh and and take the take the risk the only deck that i really like that has really good mana i think is blue black control and past that all the decks that i'm willing to play you kind of have to bite the bullet and say i'm gonna lose to my mana base sometimes and i'm, I'm hoping i run good yeah i mean even the blue black control deck i heard some people talking about the people who decided to play for field of ruin in their blue black deck mm -hmm. um were kind of like sad about it they were like yeah I, this field of ruin was has just been a little too judgmental to my mana base yeah where because i'm trying to cast like disallow into 
Vraska's Contempt, and, you know, sometimes I just don't have that many black mana or whatever, so it can be rough. But yeah, I think that, you know, mana base right now in Standard has been a, a pretty big topic of discussion. I know that, like, Owen Turtonwald wrote an article about it last week, how the mana bases in Standard are just really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you can get away with playing a one-mana deck, that's probably giving you a lot of percentage points. And honestly, that's that's kind of why I'm excited to test out this uh, Pride of Conquerors mono-white aggressive deck. Just because I think the mana's going to be just so much better in a mono-colored deck. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see kind of like how that plays out. But and yeah, you- like even even the two-color decks. Like in my green-white uh, like Appeal to Authority deck, the it's, it's super color-intensive because we're playing double green and double white spells in the deck and we we, you know we want to have multiple white on turn three for the times where we want to cast a white two drop into like a um a legion's landing or something like that Mm -hmm. so yeah the the mana bases are really tough but um so you know definitely something to keep in mind when uh when making deck selections or whatever yeah yeah i think that's a big part of it too is how many of the important spells are are double colored like jade light ranger is double green all the good red spells are double red rekindling phoenix Glorybringer, and shanta are all double red like disallow and 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 vraska's contempt just two pips up there and that like that really does make a difference when these mana bases are a little bit shaky and just kind of like looking at the green red monsters decks like you know they're playing like jade light rangers and phoenix that's it just it just feels pretty rough yeah it you you just you need things to go right a lot um and i've a lot of my matches have been decided by somebody whoops my third land came into play tapped and now i can't do anything on this turn uh yeah very rough yep that that's why i do like the constrictor deck gets the advantage of i mean number one getting to run a lot of fast lands so that's really nice and also getting to run Ether Hub and having just barely enough energy sources that Ether Hub is playable in the deck. Right, right. But but even then, like you certainly run into whoops, this this didn't work out. I, I drew two I drew Haship Oasis and If Near Deadlands and my opponent played a turn one Bomat Courier. So Yeah, I, I hope that this gives everybody an appreciation of just how busted a tune with Aether was. Um, God, <laughs> just being able to make the teamer teamer energy mana base so clean with with four tuned the ethers. Yep. and now we're over here struggling on you know whatever scraps we've got. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, it's pretty bad. Yeah, it makes me want to play a Gift of Paradise deck just so as long as I have green mana, eventually I'll be able to cast all of my spells. Right. Well, what have, what have we not covered so far in standard? Well. I, I feel like we've at least touched on pretty much everything, but there's much, much deeper that, that we can go on some things. I think the main takeaway for the format right now is that you have to be prepared to beat an opponent that is leaning very, very heavily on Vraska's Contempts. Um, like, that's kind of the most important spell in the format at the moment. Uh, and if if you're running a deck that just kind of hopes they don't have it on turn four. I, I don't like that as a place to be. And and it really is amazing to me that, that Monsters won the the Grand Prix. And, and I think it's it's not a coincidence that it's the version of Monsters that is, is pretty aggressive and has two drops that directly affect your opponent's life total. Um, I do not understand... And, and I mean, I may be just kind of showing my ignorance here, but I do not understand how... Like the, I don't know how Arielax got top sixteen with this three color monsters <laughs> deck. It just yeah. I I mean maybe the Magic Online format is a little different from what the paper format was at Memphis, but I'm just playing against so little mono red. I playing against just decks that just like eat this eat this kind of deck for breakfast, and so at least if you're playing on Magic Online right now, like. Most of your opponents are going to have the full four of Raska's Contempts and probably a couple of Gear Hulks to make that virtual, virtually like six or seven Raska's Contempts. So whether you're playing around that by having hexproof guys or tokens or playing no creatures at all, um, I think you go, you want to be doing one of those things. Is is at least what I want to be doing. Yeah, I can definitely get behind that. 
Yeah, so, right. I think that kind of like we've identified the big role players in the format. A few places that I'd like to see explored are, uh, for me personally, I want to try out the uh, Sam Black's Pride of Conquerors deck. I think that that could be potentially very good. Uh, But I also want to kind of tinker around with, like, one of the good things that the Hour of Promise decks have for them is that if, if you feel like you have a really good grasp of what you're going to be facing in the metagame then you should be able to tune that deck pretty well and it's like it's really hard to get right but if i feel like if you do there's just so much reward to being able to nail a metagame you know yeah so you know maybe maybe worth tinkering around a little bit with that but you it's it's going to take a lot of work yeah yeah definitely and and i mean that's pretty cool that the format is in a place like and i I guess we haven't really touched on this yet which is like what a breath of fresh air the standard format is oh Um, yeah i no i honestly i think that overall it's fantastic yeah like like there there are pillars like there are cards you need to be aware of but they slot into lots of different strategies you know like Glorybringer is great and very important but i've seen it out of Grixis decks, and I've seen it out of Jun decks, and I've seen it out of out of Green decks, and it's sort of doing different things in each of those decks. Um, you know, Scarab God is everywhere, but so is Vraska's Contempt. Like there are threats, there are answers, and it is d- difficult to predict exactly what you're going to play against on any given day. Which which makes me, I, I guess that like cuts a little bit against wanting to play. You know, something like blue-black control or uh, even or like a ramp deck that, that you have so many flexible slots. Like, it, if, if you are not completely dialed in, then that's going to be really tough to make work because you might face the wrong threats, I guess. So that's definitely something to keep in mind, and I guess that's why I've been having more success with more aggressive decks like Sultai at the moment. Yeah. I, I typically have more success with the kind of more beat-down aggressive strategies just because that's kind of more my wheelhouse. Yeah. I feel like I, I'm, I end up playing those a lot better. But I, I can definitely step back and look at this metagame and, and feel like some sort of control deck is, you know, probably the... Zan was even calling blue-black control going into Pimpus the, the team or energy of the format. He just thinks that deck is just really busted. But I think it is exploitable. A lot of people are going to be playing token strategies, and that's going to be really good against this uh, the blue black deck. So, yeah, for sure. Um, and the blue black deck can adjust. Like, there's certainly golden demises and and stuff to be played. Um, oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I I don't. I like blue black control is really good, and when it has its like god draws, you know, as as much as a control deck can have a god draw, it is infuriating to play against like when their answers just line up to your threats perfectly and then they have the torrential gear hulk on turn six to just completely lock it up it just it just feels horrendous but i i want to i want to advocate really strongly right now for carnage tyrant uh that card is insane in that matchup (laughs) yes yeah if you can cast it and and the cool thing is like it's just very elegant in the decks where you have Jade Light Ranger, like Jade Light Ranger is, while you sideboard out Jade Light Ranger in a lot of matchups, uh, Blue Black is kind of the one matchup where you don't take any out because it's one of your better cards there. Um, and that helps you hit your land drops to get up to a six mana gigantic dinosaur. So it's very nice that you can just like guilt free bring in this six mana monster against blue back control in your mid-range green deck whether you're a monster's deck or you know a, a constrictor deck or something and yeah that card is very very difficult for blue black to deal with and and like when you draw it in your opening hand you kind of have this plan for the whole game and you know that every spell you cast is sort of devoted to like putting the game in a state where you can just slam this carnage tyrant onto the table and then they just can't deal with it that changes your game plan against blue black pretty fundamentally where in a lot of games without carnage tyrant you're kind of at the mercy of their draw if they stumble a little bit you'll be fine um but if they just have the right removal you you won't be but if you have a good threat like Carnage Tyrant or sometimes just Bristling Hydra is good enough, then you know you really have like a focused game plan and you know 
what you can do to beat most of their hands. So that's pretty cool. Definitely. Yeah, I, it's also really cool to flip Padana's climb on on Carnage Tyrant. I did that once. It was, <laughs> it was great. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, there there are a few pretty sweet combos that exist in standard like that right now. There's there's the Hedonic's climb on both Bristling Hydra and Carnage Tyrant, <laughs> and then there's also uh, one sweet thing I got to do was appeal a the double strike white god. Oketra the true. Uh, Oketra. Yeah, that's Oketra the true. That's yeah. that's pretty good. I was able to appeal Oketra a couple times this weekend, and that just feels <laughs> really really dirty. That is that's gross. Typically, you're kind of looking for your adorned pouncers to put the peels on, but uh, Oketra will do the trick. Yeah, if, uh, yeah. If you can get her to attack. Yeah, Oketra in a... I mean, I guess you are playing the Blossoming Defenses, so I guess if you can slam Oketra the True with Blossoming Defense up, that feels really good a lot of the time. Yeah, and sometimes you just need to, you know, need the Blossoming Defense in order to go for the appeals into four mana from any sort of black deck. Right, right. I, I think that's... That's got to be one of the key reasons to keep it in the deck, even though you are a go-wide deck, right? Because at, at some point in the game, you you end up with one big threat. Yeah, kind of like whatever token that you're going to throw it on needs to be protected. Because if, you, you know, if you're putting on a token and then they just fatal push it, then yeah, yeah, bad. Right, right, right. You, you've, you've gone from having a bunch of unimportant creatures to having a bunch of... Or, or a bunch of creatures that are of similar, like, relatively low level of importance to a bunch of those creatures and one guy that is incredibly important. So... Yeah, right. that that wombo combo is is pretty good. Yeah, so I, I want to talk a little bit about sideboarding in this format, I think, and, and maybe even like main deck yeah. construction. And I, I'm not sure exactly how to put this into words right now. Online right now, the any deck that I've played with a bunch of removal has felt terrible. Like starting with that Naya Monsters deck, and then I I was on a build uh, of of Constrictor with several removal spells main deck, and now my main deck my removal spells are two Vraska's Contempts and no Fatal Pushes, um, and I've got you know some Fatal Pushes and some more Vraska's Contempts in the sideboard, but I I think we're already hitting that point in the metagame where you know people are mostly running decks that make removal not so great, and so uh. I am not super high. Like, like Vraska's Contempt is totally fine, and especially if your deck is constructed around making it great, then, you know, run a ton of them. Um, but these cheap, narrow removal spells are starting are already starting to get a little bit worse. And I just... That, that, I think that's the spot in the metagame where we are right now. And it's a little rough now because I have sideboard slots taken up by these kind of medium removal spells when I really want Haymaker things, like really focused stuff like Duresses and Carnage Tyrants and that sort of thing. And, and I'm a little bit you know, not satisfied with how I'm using my sideboard space. And I, I, I'm trying to work on a philosophy that, that works a little bit better for standard right now. Um, but I feel like I'm stretched a little bit slot-wise. Just because there's so many different, like, approaches on the metagame that you, it's kind of hard to find things that, like, overlap to those things. That makes sense to me. Yeah, and I mean, it, it might be because I'm looking for, like, pretty cheap sideboard options like i'm i'm a big uh -huh. fan of duresses and negates and that sort of thing but you know like like maybe duress just isn't that good right now because i you know it's great against straight blue black control but against like the grixis midrange decks and stuff it's hard to justify sideboarding it in because sometimes you might duress them and they just have a whirler virtuoso and a scarab god and a torrential gear hulk or something and and even against blue black control it's like sometimes you draw duress late and their hand is a meaningless card and two torrential gear hulks so, you know, maybe I'm just way off base with, with wanting to rest right now. Um, so that, that's just an interesting thing that I'm trying to figure out as we go along. Um, and I don't think I've quite hit on it yet. Like, you know, different formats have different sideboard philosophies. Like, we know that modern, you want cards that work against multiple different archetypes, and that's developed into a lot of sideboards have 10 different cards in them because you, you you know you need three cards for this matchup, uh, but you need them to have some overlap. So you end up with a bunch of one-ofs. Um, and I'm not really sure what the sideboarding philosophy for this current standard format is right now. Yeah, it's tough. Generally, it's you're typically honing in pretty deeply on whatever you believe the rock deck to be is, right? Mm -hmm. And right now that's like blue-black control. So if people are 
definitely honing in on a lot of things that are going to be good there, like blossoming defenses and uh, carnage tyrants and stuff like that. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, there are definitely like a lot of different angles that you need to be ready for, so... I mean, maybe it's because we are in this unsettled, like, transitional period, and, and that's all it is, is that it makes it hard to pick 15 cards. Um, and yeah. that, you know, that's a pretty simple problem that just gets solved over time. Yeah, honestly, I think that one of my biggest mistakes going into last weekend is that my sideboard was just not as tuned as I normally want my deck to be going into a, a tournament. Mm-hmm. And I, the problem was that I just, you know, I think I was running into a lot of the similar problems that you're talking about here, where... I, you know, I just didn't exactly know how to configure it all and like how to approach everything. Generally, I like to elephant out a, a 75. I don't know if you've ever done that or had any experience with that, but essentially in pretty narrow metagames, you can like take the, the popular decks and take your deck and go ahead and write down your ideal 60 for each matchup post board. Sure. Kind of using just all of the cards that you could potentially have access to. So you can mm-hmm. just, you know, your sideboard is infinite, right, while you're d- going through this process. So yeah. you write up your ideal 60 for each matchup, and then you have, like, four or five 60s that you want to be able to have access to something close to that for the metagame. And then from there, you can parse out your 75, mm-hmm. right? And then figure out how, like, what of that seventy-five you want to make your 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 main deck. So that's that's typically how I like to approach building sideboards. And I kind of wish that I had more time to do that for Memphis, but I just wasn't able to. Do you, you know, do you have any idea of what you would have done differently, or did it just not feel quite there while you were playing? I just had like one of the the, the really awkward moments where um, I. At the Grand Prix, I sat down across from Grixis Energy, a deck that I knew existed. Mm-hmm. I didn't expect to see much there, but I, you know, I, I figured it was going to be a part of the metagame. And I, I lost game one, and then I pulled out my sideboard, and I was like, I just have no idea what I need to cut and bring in here. Yeah, and that's just such a bad feeling to have at a Grand Prix, where you you should you know you should be putting in the preparation to like to do that. And, you know, maybe I had the tools to compete there and just kind of, like, miss-sideboarded, but definitely doing this, going through this elephant process would at least, you know, at least you'd be, have thinking about it and have already thought through a plan for the popular archetypes that you expect to face. Right, I noticed that in your article this week, like, the first, like, it was an advice article, and the first piece of advice was write out a sideboard plan. Um, so was that yeah I I failed on that for Memphis so I I figured I should talk about it a little bit (laughs) gotcha yeah that's frustrating I mean to be fair like you kind of only have one sideboard color in in white green like the sideboard cards in white are are pretty atrocious right now so um, Um, I think the white sideboard cards are fine yeah it's not it's not great it's like a bunch of uh, enchantment removal. And yeah, exactly. Attacks, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, and that's that's kind of the the problem that I'm having with a bunch of the sideboards that I'm putting together right now is I God, I do not like having removal in my sideboard in general. Like, it's just not a thing that I. It's not a spot that I like being in because like, uh-huh. I, like yes, it's it's great that now I have more fatal pushes against red after after boarding, um, or like awesome like i'm up to two moments of craving because it's red in all these other scenarios like i would rather be adjusting my deck in some more fundamental game plan way to be better against my opponent's deck rather than right. like like well i guess i'll bring in cast out because it's good against the scarab god like that's just so that feels awful to me <laughs> yeah no i i totally understand and it's good that you're thinking about it from the 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 perspective of game plan changing sideboard cards because that's that's my favorite way to do it is like all right you know i know this 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 is how this matchup plays out post board so why don't we board these cards to make that work in my favor right yeah yeah instead of like i'll bring in some vraska's contempts for scarab god right um it's like it's it seems like a little more level one but maybe that's just kind of where we're at in the standard format or maybe we just don't know exactly what those game plans we don't like have as good of an understanding as we could of what the game plans look like 
post board and how the matchups play out. So we don't know how to abuse that yet. And we're still trying to figure that out. Right. And also one one definite thing right now is this is a standard format that rewards practice and knowledge. It it almost feels kind of like playing modern right now where I'm so much better at a deck once I've gotten some reps in with it. Every time I I've picked up a new deck and I've played four or five different decks over the past couple of days. Um, but there is a, a breaking in period where I don't really understand what the plan is against blue black until I play against it a few times. And uh, right, right, right. So you know, get get your reps in definitely. And this is not a format where I want to be audibling uh, before a tournament. Yeah, definitely. You you really need to have a certain number of of reps under your belt before feeling comfortable in a tournament. Cool. Well, um, unfortunately, I missed i wasn't able to go to a pptq this past weekend which was my plan just because i wasn't able to figure out if i could pre-register for the tournament and if i couldn't do that then taking a two-hour long trainer i did not sound great (laughs) um so logistics just weren't there yeah 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 so hopefully i get to go play in a sealed pptq this weekend um but if not okay then i'll be quite happy to just watch the mocks which is this weekend, mm. which is uh, pretty much the most stacked field I've ever seen in any tournament ever. So I'm, that's exciting. Yeah, I'm honestly super excited for the mocks. Um, and I think that I'm I'm actually just going to be attending a, a PPTQ this weekend. I'm mm-hmm. not going to be able to make it out to Worcester, unfortunately, as much okay. as I love Legacy. But yeah, so yeah, definitely excited about the mocks. That sounds, that sounds great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just like scrolling through... Like, like I recognize every single person in these pictures, except for, right. uh, at the end, no photo available for <laughs> Miguel Castro. <laughs> but other than that, everybody's like yeah. platinum, platinum pro level. So should be, should be exciting. And yeah. We'll, it'll be interesting to see, cause mo- the mox is like all formats, right? So it'll be interesting to see how, um, well, it's, you know, what, what kind of like comes out of. Um, cause you know that all of these guys are super, super grinding all of the formats right now and making like seeing what they can discover and everything. It's draft and modern. I don't think there's standard. I, I think it's just oh, it's draft not standard. No, it's draft and modern both days. And then the top eight is modern as well. So, oh, okay. So I'm just completely mistaken about it being all formats. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think they've switched the format a couple of times, but yeah, this time it's, it's a modern PT basically. But that's exciting. Modern is really cool. You're gonna have to help me learn Legacy, just so you know. <laughs> okay. Um, and we're, we'll probably end up doing at least an episode or two with with some hopefully it, real Legacy content because uh, I've got. By what, by what time do you need to learn Legacy? So I've got a little bit of time. My plan is to go to the European Eternal Weekend, which is at the very beginning of May. And then after a week after that, there's a double GP in Birmingham, which is Legacy and then Standard. So I think it's worth giving Legacy a shot. My plan right now is to go try to learn Turbo Depths. Okay. Because I, you know, as as uh, one of our guests on the show has said before, it's difficult to learn how to play the blue decks well enough to beat the good blue players. So playing a deck that has a decent yeah. matchup against the blue decks is, is a good start. Yeah, playing against somebody like Noah Walker when you're both playing Grixis Delver is no. just impossible. I'm not. You're just not gonna win. I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'm not gonna out brainstorm anybody at like four and zero in a tournament. So I'm gonna. I'm gonna try to make merit lages is the plan. Yeah, I mean, we can definitely we can definitely jam some legacy at some point. Say, I, uh, I do love me some legacy. Well, I may may have to schedule a coaching session then. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you or anybody else of, of our viewers needs to, you know, brush up their game on anything, you can schedule me. Um, I I am offering coaching now. And uh, how do we how do we do that? So you can find me through the the link that you can go to schedule me, and you'll see my uh, my calendar and when I'm available is calendly.com slash collinsmullen. But the easiest way to find that link is actually just to follow me on Twitter. It'll be under my pinned tweet. So, Or uh, rumor has it that we've got a website coming. Yeah, it's close. There might be, there might, there might be a little, uh, little <laughs> link on, on, that, on that page as well. There will. It's, it's very close, currently under construction. We've also got our uh, Patreon under construction for the people who have asked about that. So those should hopefully be ready to go within the next week or two. So 
you know exciting stuff exciting stuff yeah yeah i'm feeling pretty good about this so yeah i mean i think that's pretty much it for today hopefully that was you know a Talked about a lot of different standard stuff because there's a lot to talk about, but hopefully that was helpful. Yeah, just um, kind of a mod, mod, like general, what's the word I'm looking for? Mod podge? Is milieu, hodgepodge, know. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We're just having fun. We are. Check us out. Check us out on Twitter uh, at MTG underscore Grindcast. Uh, as Colin said, you can find him at, at Collins Mullen. Yep, that's the one. Uh, that's all I got. You got anything else? I think that's uh, that covers it for me. Okay. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for joining us, and we'll see you next week. See you guys.